Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey guys, welcome to the show today. This week, I'm talking with five-time Grammy-nominated and platinum-selling songwriter and recording artist Dante Bow at LifeFest 2022. Dante made history as the first artist to have the greatest number of simultaneous Grammy nominations in both gospel and Christian genres, with three solo and two group award nominations for the 64th Annual Grammy Awards. We're discussing why hearing no repeatedly helps to perfect your songwriting, the process of putting a live show together, and that if you don't have a vision for yourself as an artist, your label will give you one. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. Get your pen and paper and get ready to take lots of notes. My name is John Martin Keith, and uh, from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm an artist and songwriter, worship pastor, and all those fun things. Uh, in addition to that, I host a music business podcast called You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry. And so what that means is if I've got guests that all over the music industry come on and share their stories, explain you know, how they got into music, how they worked their way up the ladder in the business, and then they share, you know, advice with you guys on if you're wanting to do something that they've done in the music business, then they're giving advice for that. So it's a lot of fun. And um, so I would love to invite Mr. Dante Bo up on the stage. We welcome Dante Bo. Hola. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having uh, me. You just got here, right? Yeah. Like literally sh- just walked in and jumped on a cart and came over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've been up pretty early, so I'm, I'm awake. That's awesome. Now yeah. tell us where you're from originally. I'm originally from North Carolina. Oh, really? What part? Rockingham. Y'all have heard of Rockingham, North Carolina? It's like two stoplights, but it's like the smallest place in North Carolina yeah. outside of Charlotte. Yeah. Okay. I lived in Wilmington for a while out on, okay, the, yeah. on the coast and did some... That's where the beach is. Yeah. The beach and then the acting mm-hmm. TV shows and all that kind of stuff yeah. and stuff like that. So, well, that's fun. And you live in Nashville currently? Yeah. I live in East Nashville currently. I love it there. I'm so glad I moved from Georgia. From Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> so, where in Georgia were you, were you in Georgia? Columbus, Georgia. It was another small town. Another small town and made it yeah. to East Nashville. East Nashville. That's the big city to me. Right. I'm from like... Yeah. Yeah. In East Nashville, for people who are not familiar with Nashville, um, Nashville has exploded over like the past 15 years. So East Nashville used to not be a great neighborhood yeah. a while back, but it's really exploded. Now it's really trendy. It's super trendy <laughs> and super expensive. And 
people used to, you try to get out of East Nashville, yeah. now people are like clamoring to get into it, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> transformation. Uh, well, so would you tell us, you just said where you're from originally, but tell us how you grew up, uh, what got you into music to begin with and kind of worked, just kind of gets you on this journey of being, of being an artist and... Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, I grew up in a very, very small town, very humble beginnings. My grandfather was a farmer, so we lived on a farm. And, um, you know, there's not much to do in the country. You know, we had like, we played in the dirt and stuff like that. But then also we would sing for fun. Like my family was all pretty musical, except my mom and dad, which is weird. Like it skipped my mom and dad and came to the um, me and my sister or whatever. But um. Yeah, so my pretty much my uncles were pretty musical. My aunts were very, very musical. And they would teach us songs, you know, from church and, like, hymns and stuff. And um, that, I guess, started my interest in music because I always thought it was so supernatural, like, the, the effect that someone could have on someone when they sing. I always thought that was crazy when I was younger. And um, so pretty much, you know, my mom and dad saw that interest in me and uh, I was trained classical. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, um, and I was like 11 when I started that. And um, I don't use that now. I don't sing proper now, obviously. Worship is and, and artistry is different no, now. I was singing the classical. Yeah, I'm not really. Style. I don't even remember what I learned, really. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, they started me in that. And then they, you know, would put me in the studio sometimes. And I would write a bunch of songs for them. And they were, they were horrible. Like looking back on, I remember some of the acts, some of the songs I actually wrote, and I'm like, they lied to me. They were like, <laughs> they're like, oh my god, that's good, boy. You better keep writing, you know. Like, and um, I would write rap songs and all kind of stuff. My, my mom and dad was like, that's good. And, and <laughs> that's and we'll stop there just for a second and explain to people when when we as songwriters are writing music and the the professionals in the industry always tell you don't trust what your family tells you because your parents are always going to support you they're always for you right that's amazing that's great keep going and then you take that song that you think is an amazing song and you take it to a publisher in nashville and hand it to them and then they slam the door in your face and that's it you're done you've you've lost that chance so you don't ever trust your your parents yeah <laughs> now my mom is very very honest like the, oh yeah like answer. she came to the double war she's like you did good She's like, but I really like, I'm not going to say who it is. <laughs> She's like, he got you on the dance moves. He got you on the dance moves for sure. I'm like, all right. But she's, she's very, very honest now just because she knows that's kind of how I like being a firm. It's like, but yeah, when I was a kid or like even growing up, like in my early 20s, yeah, she was very like, just, yeah, passive. Like, yeah, it was great. <laughs> but um, yeah. So when... When you moved, well, let's see, you, so you moved from North Carolina and then you went, ended up going to Georgia, right? Is that where, where does, where does the music come in to where you start doing it on a more professional level yeah. um, or more full-time level and starting to getting some experience and exposure to what people know now? Yeah, I became like a little local celebrity. <laughs> it was funny because it was kind of like, you do carnivals, you do all the talent shows and then like, all of your friends and family, like, you don't have real, like, supporters, but it's like, your friends and family come out and they watch you, and so it was like, 
I became like a little local guy that would just come up and sing at all the little yeah, things we had. Sure. And it was just fun for me and um, an outlet because I was in I was in middle school, high school, um, and so it wasn't much to do. But also, um, I would I would do that, go to church, and then I was singing my choir, and I'd try, you know, I'd sing solos and whatever. I try. I'm not good at solos and all that, but <laughs> I would sing solos in church. And this guy was coming in town. His name was Eddie James. I don't know if you heard of Eddie James, but he's like a, a like a well known like gospel artist, and he was coming in town. And my friend was opening up for him, and she was like, would you like to sing background vocals for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. Ended up doing that, and Eddie was like, I want all of the travel, come on the road with Oh, me. wow. That's great. I'm looking for new background vocals, and my mom was like, Psh. <laughs> yeah, right. You got, tw- I had 12th grade to finish. Oh, okay. And uh, she was like, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> we spent all this money, this time, this energy. You're going to graduate and go to college. And so my mom and dad are pretty much against it. Eddie flew from wherever he lived, I think it was Georgia at the time, to have a meeting with my parents. And my mom ended up letting me go. And my dad was like, no, but we just, we kind of just went anyway. And that started my music career. I did that for six years. I sang background vocals for him for six years. And I was trying to write him songs every like day, every week. I I don't know, it'd be random. I'd bring him songs randomly. And I, he always said no. I think he regrets it now, but like he, always, <laughs> he definitely regrets. It. He texts me the other day. Like, I love you, son. No, but no, but I, uh, he, he. I would send him songs and stuff. He's like, ah, yeah, yeah, it's cool. You know, whatever. And like, sure. check the, the scripture reference on that. Yeah, you know all the stuff. And um, I think um, over time doing it there and getting all those no's really perfected my songwriting and made me analyze it way more than I would sure if I had gotten just immediate yes yeah you know now I analyze and I look at it and I really like try to you know make sure it's finished if that makes sense absolutely well and that's such a great thing because he is giving you the feedback that you needed to have because that's what that's what makes you keep going back and figuring out okay what is not right about this song what is somebody not Yes. Not accept about what I'm writing. Yeah. You know, to and that makes you go back and improve and keep getting better yeah, and better sure. and better. So so that's a pivotal moment for you. Yeah. Really. That having him be in your you're starting your career that way. Yeah. You know, so that's great. Um tell us how you went viral so people understand what that Yeah, like, you know, it's like I think a misconception too. I think I get a lot of comments sometimes like, Don't let the fame stay humble. I'm like you don't realize I got here on accident. Like I was not the guy. I was not going to record labels. Like, yeah, give me a record deal. I didn't even know where to do how to do that. But um, I, I recorded a video called Real Thing um, that I wrote for Maverick City, and and I don't know. Like we woke up like two days later, and it was like three million views. Okay, so on YouTube. Yeah, they made it go viral on YouTube, and you know that's kind of how that happened. So when you're how did you get connected to Maverick City? Oh, yeah. So, like, um, I, had, I had been leading worship, like I said, for about six years, singing background vocals for Eddie. Right. And so you meet people here and there. And um, my really good friend, Tony Brown, who is um, the founder of Maverick City, um, he texted me in a group text with two other people, Brendan Lake and Kiara Bajar. And no one knew who any of us were. And he, um, he was like, what if we come to Atlanta and write songs that are like raw and real and um, faith feel. 
um, what it, and I'm like, why are you asking me to do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, because he has access to everybody. He had just written Good Good Father at the time. So he had access to everybody, but he chose us three. And that's how I kind of got connected. But it wasn't called Maverick City. We were just writing a bunch of songs. After Real Thing came out and went viral, we named it. Okay. Because we were like, maybe this is a thing. Maybe we should like steward it well. Yeah. So we named it Maverick because uh, we, you know, we are the Mavericks of our genre. Just just doing something different. You know, bringing different cultures together for one purpose. And um, yeah. So are you officially part of Maverick City? I'm not officially part of any collective. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm a solo artist, but I, I work with Bethel and, right. I, and I work with Maverick City a lot because yeah. they're like family. I sure. mean, and they've kind of like mothered and fathered me during, because it's crazy when you first come into this industry. Yeah. So like Jen Johnson and Brian have been like my safe place and, you know, Tony, you know. Yeah. So I, yeah, I love working with them. That's cool. And it's great that you get the opportunity to work with different groups, you know, and writing for other groups and working, singing or doing whatever, in addition to being a solo artist, you know, because anytime that we can, we can branch out and and do multiple things, you know, there's just, there's just more to go around. And there's more you're going to learn. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Whether you're doing it all by yourself all the time. Right. And the other thing is that each group is different. You know, whether you're just riding with one other person or you're working with Maverick City or Elevation or Passion or whoever it may be, right? Everyone's got a different tinge. And where, y'all, where y'all going? Where y'all going? Y'all bored? I'm boring you? Okay, I got it. See ya. See ya. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> just kidding, guys. <laughs> um, so now that you... Once you started working with Maverick City, started writing with them and started getting some experience doing those types of things, how has that changed as, as they've exploded and as you have, you've exploded over the past few years? Because um, you're, you know, you're on Dove Awards and you won a Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Grammy for? My Grammy was for writing the song Old Church Basement. Old Church Basement. Yeah. So now you're... Your family, who's, who loved you so much, <laughs> you know, now we can say thanks because you encouraged me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They, hey, they go. I got a Grammy, mom, yeah, dad. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So how does that change um, now that those things are starting to happen for you? How, do, how is it different now as opposed to when you're first kind of getting started? Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't like co-writing anymore. You don't? Now that I don't have to, I don't. <laughs> I, I write solely with my friends. So like I go to Legacy Church in Nashville, and so I write yeah. And so I write a lot. I write a lot with them. You don't have to be famous for me to write with you. You just have to be someone that I feel, you know, is just connected to me in a way, and that our faith is aligned together. And maybe we, you know, have I don't know. I feel like I'm way more particular on like who I mesh with because in the beginning, you know, you're kind of like forced to be in all these rooms and. Sometimes the song, somebody in there could be more shallow. Somebody could be more, eh, who cares? Like, do this. You know what I mean? And so you're, like, kind of, like, subscribing to other people's lackadaisical attitude towards yeah. writing. And so now I choose to write with people that I know care about yeah. writing. And there's a lot of people that care about writing. Like, I love writing with Kate, uh, Kate, Katie Torwalk. I love writing with uh, Carrie Job and Cody and people that really care. Yeah. Stephen Furtick is the best songwriter in Christian music. So I like writing with him a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. <laughs> when you're out doing your shows, uh, solo, solo shows, yeah. um, 
what's the what's the process for that? Like when you're putting a show together, because you know people come to Life Fest or come to a concert that you're doing, and they see the, the big stage and the lights and putting all that together. Can you talk a little bit about what that process is like of putting a show together? You know, you got full band lights and all that kind of stuff. Like, what are the some of the details in making those things happen? Yeah, I mean, it's very tedious, really. I mean, you know, you have, like I said, everything from the sound to the lights to my producer, um, MD, who programs the music part of it, but the lights have to match the music. And then I have to sing the song differently. Like, we're not actually doing the actual arrangements how they how they are on YouTube, you know? Yep. So we're changing all that stuff up every, every so often. Um, I, I would say, like, you know, it's for me... I'm super simple. Like, I'm not trying to make this sound complicated. Like, I have a pretty easy life. Like, I kind of, ha I built a team around me that don't take any, you know, crap from anybody. And they, and they really work very, very hard. So that way I can show up and um, listen to the music and create a sound. You know what I mean? But it's, it's pretty, pretty, like, black and white for, for me. I try to keep it simple. Like, what are you going to see for King do? Like, I have a whole nother thing happening. Like, that's like rehearsals, like all day, every day, you know? And they kill it. They're like, that's who I look to right now in our genre. I look to Forking Country so much because of how excellent they are. Yeah. But for me, I just try to keep it simple. I am a um, mainstream slash worship artist. So I don't want to ever lose, you know, my worship side, my simplicity side for. I'm going to be joyful, but I also don't want to lose. I'm going to be joyful for my, you know, worship side. So I try to keep it simple and make sure people feel all things Dante in one moment. And um, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. It did. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, what we're going to do is we're going to open up uh, for a couple of questions. Dante has been kind enough to to do that. Um, so if you got any kind of question that's related to the music industry type stuff that you might be interested in, we'd love for you to do that. So we got one, what's the one right here? Yes. Uh, all right, go ahead. So stand up, say your name, and what question do you have for Dante? Hi, I'm Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hi. I was wondering, solo versus group, why, why, are, why did you choose to go solo? What, what's like the pros and cons of Oh, God. That's a great question. That is a really good the question. Like, I don't know if I can even... The pros and cons of being a solo versus working with a group. First of all, I know people are like, Enneagram, uh, I'm a foreign Enneagram, so I'm an individual. Like, I like to, like, stand out. So there's not so much I can... I, I feel like there's only so much I can um, give in a group with, you know, I feel like I am a very... Like, I like to serve the moment. So if there's four of us... I'm going to, like, not give certain ideas. I'm going to not, you know, maybe dress a certain way that I want to. Maybe I'm going to submit to the group in every way, if that makes sense. And so solo was my way of kind of presenting what God has placed inside of me. And, like, okay, yeah, like, Maverick has this round where we worship in a round thing. But, you know, I wrote Joyful a few years ago, and that's what God put inside of me. So I'm like, I think I want to present that as the I guess the overall thing, you know, Dante Bow is that. And then everything else is like outlets, like, because God has also placed me in a place where I, I, lo I love to worship and I love writing worship. So, like, I'll go over to my friends, Maverick, go over to my friends, Bethel, and I'll 
all right with them and sing with them and that's another way to kind of get that out so um i think i chose solo because it's just that it's solo and and i get to be responsible for myself and uh, walk in the gifts and callings that god has placed on me and um yeah it's that's why did i answer your question thank you that's great it's cool being in a group it's really really cool being in a group though yeah. you know what i mean yeah i used to be in a band when i was in college i had a band and you know and then once i moved to nashville i, I was playing for another artist yeah i did that um and then and now i'm a solo artist and so i go out and I either you know play acoustic shows or I, I have a band that goes out and plays with me so there's and there's different dynamics to each of those things and they and they both they all have their upsides and their downsides. Yeah. You know, and it's... Uh, but we don't argue, though. Like, we never argue. Like, as far as, like, even if we have different issues with each other, like, about something, we kind of, I don't know, it's like a quiet, like, like, Naomi, like, oh, my God. You know, you just did that. Whatever. But it's not, we are, like, with, even with Bethel, like, I can't recall any, like, action. We never really get into arguments. So, I know a lot of groups and stuff fight all the time and break up and all that but, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's not like that at all really so it was just it's just solely me wanting to express myself sure um in my individuality yeah that's great thank you um Santa, what's your name hi i'm nessie hi N say it again nessie nessie hi cool what's your question so my question is what if like the words and the rhythm when you're writing songs they just don't vibe they don't mash together like what happens do you just have like a well, how do you know? I think I just try a bunch of stuff. What I do is I, I write a song every single day, pretty much. So then you start perfecting it. So don't do it as a hobby if you want to get better at it. You have to just do it every day. And um, um, you know how people like, I'll write a, like, write a song once a month. And they're like, I'm not that great. I don't know. It's not coming together. It's like, you know, you have to just every day perfect it. Jay, don't I write a song every single day? Like, I write a song every single day. And so um, I think you don't know really until you know. I say finish it, try to get through it um, because sometimes you might keep those words and just change some chord progressions, change some things around, but it doesn't mean you have to trash the whole song. It's like, this is not a vibe. It's like, no, maybe this progression goes better with another song I'm going to write later. And maybe these lyrics need a new musical bed under it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I'm not talking over your head. You know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, yeah. And a lot of times, you know, just like you're talking about, a lot of times people will, a writer will take, the song will sit there for like six or seven years, you know, and then and they just don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to finish it. And all of a sudden they'll have this musical idea years down the road. It's like, oh, that goes, that needs to go to that. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's a hit song on the radio, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it just, it takes, sometimes it takes some distance putting between the lyrics and the music before there's a mesh that needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, you have to do everything from love for love. And, like, so if, you, if you're if you doing it for success or I want to, I just want to prove that I can write a good song. I want to show it to people. I want to, sometimes it can get all weird and cloudy and, you know, you're creating stuff that's like, ah, it's not so much a vibe. Like, maybe... Maybe the lyrics, and I didn't change that. It can get all pressure and stressful and all that yeah. stuff. The pressure can be on. So I try to sit down by myself every day. I mean, sometimes my, you know, my road manager's there or, you know, my best friend's there, but they're just walking around the house and there's no pressure on and I'm just writing and I'm singing to God, you know what I mean? And it's like, who cares what, what this does or where it goes? I just want to create something cool for, you know, for God myself, you know what I mean? 
Okay, so let me ask you that because you're talking about just there's no pressure. You can write every day and you know on your own, but. You're signed, you got a publishing company? You signed to a publisher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I so, signed sign my deal next week. Okay. My new record deal. Okay. Congratulations, <laughs> yeah. So when... Capital CMG. Do you ever have pressure from label or publisher to get... Because either a time frame that you have to have songs done, an album finished by, mm-hmm. or... You know, we have to have so many songs written a year for your contract. Do you ever come across those situations? And does that question. does that create pressure when for those situations where you're like, I'm writing a song every day and there's no pressure? Like, do you ever have that conflict? Honestly, y'all, I'm not, and I say this with all humility. No, like, I don't deal with pressures from any label. I don't deal with any old guy telling me how to write my songs, when to come out with my songs, how many to write, you know what I mean? So I I personally go about it in a way where, and now this is not normal. This is not normal. A lot, a lot of people get that pressure. Yeah. But I have five albums in my, in my song space right now. So it's not like I'm never being lassidaisical and like lazy about it. And so they don't really get on to me because they have albums to pr- choose from. It, like if they wanted to drop something because they were like, we need something, they can just go get it out of my song space. Gotcha. Yeah. So I think the it's a unique situation that work you're hard. In. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't get don't get that freedom that you have. A lot of yeah. artists don't get that. So and they don't also work hard. That's true. A lot of artists, no, seriously, a lot of artists don't care about their image. They don't care about just the more like the work behind the scenes thing. You know, a lot of people like to stand on stage and like you know be like. Huh? you are my child. but they don't want to like be in the dirt probably like you are i could tell you're like very serious but like they don't want to be in the dirt like every day trying to discover who, who god is and what what we saying today and like how do i write a song about it now and like when i'm when i lost my grandfather i wrote voice of god it's like how do i how do i write something about this how do i get this out you know what i mean and so once you do that you end up with a catalog of just so many songs and labels are happy if you want to keep a label happy write a bunch of songs like that's how they're publishers you know what i mean like it's like that makes them happy not yeah. you performing on stage really. sure sure <laughs> that's awesome uh we got time for one more question Ulrich. <clears throat> thank you hey i'm jackson what's Buddy. up man hey nice to meet you uh you, you talked about you kind of got here by accident you know you didn't yeah. set out to be famous right but now a lot of people look up to you and care about what you have to say. So when it comes to abortion, racism, mm. scriptural a- accuracy in your in your music, how do you make sure that what's coming out in your heart is addressing things that people are looking to hear from you about? Yeah. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me it's like first of all, I'm the most I'm one of the most outspoken Christian artists in our genre and I get in trouble too much i get in trouble all the time because i don't care about this job but <laughs> Jalen, <I'm up. laughs> Jalen's like you have to do an interview i'm like I-, I think i'm gonna pass today he's like you can't you can't do that bro but i don't care as much as people think i care i really like my simple life but <laughs> but a lot of times i guess you know in the beginning it was a lot easier to be outspoken about um, you know, politics or things that I felt strongly about, whether it be like abortion or or racism and all this stuff. It was kind of easier, you know. Now, I, like I'm like 
I don't even know when. And yeah, I'll still do it some from time to time, but I'm like, I'm more concerned with my family and my friends and my church and community, people that's around me every day. And sometimes what happens is I'll say something that I mean, a lot of you will agree with in here. Like I'll post about abortion and a lot of you probably may agree with my viewpoint, but um, a lot of people wouldn't. So they'll say mean things, hateful things. My nephew has a Instagram. He sees all of it. My niece sees all of it. My mom, my, my mom calls me all the time upset at some things that, you know, you guys say and like my grandmother doesn't understand. She's like, why are you letting them say that? Why are you letting them do that? And like, even though like for me, it's like I got into the place where I don't really care about the negativity. Like I, I actually don't mind being canceled out of this genre. I'm like, it's fine. Like I'll go home and like live my life with my family. But I love music. But um, you know what I'm trying to say? It's right. like my sure. my life is bigger than what I do on this stage. Sure. And a lot, lot, a lot of times lately, I've been trying to balance my team and the people that I actually do have to answer to and care for and also, you know, speak out for my supporters who love me and, and, they, and I care for them. And I do have to, you know, kind of like pastor in a way, like them to where I'm at and what I believe. So I think that's your question. I don't know. I navigate it every day. Some days I'm super bold. And in a lot of days, I'm super cowardly. And so I'm, I'm growing and learning how to deal with haters. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. we're grateful for what you do. And um, so we, well, we thank grateful you, for, for, you bro. For, for being here and doing all this stuff. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up, we just got a, a minute or so here. Um, for, for people here in the audience, for people listening on the podcast um, that want to do what you do, as a songwriter, as an artist, um, what, as a performer, what are, what's some advice that you would give to them? Some, some things to do, some things to not do, maybe to avoid, um, that, that are wanting to do what you've done so far in your, in your career in the music business? I'd say, I'd say a lot of things, but I think I'm going to say these things right now. I definitely know who you are. For sure. Like, and even if, especially if you're a faith-based artist, then you need to really know who you are in God and like who Jesus says you are. You need to know, you know, like, first of all, your personal relationship needs to be strong and you need to really, really be confident in it because people are going to try to tell you who you are every day. And not even, I'm not talking about Instagram trolls. I'm talking about your record label. I'm talking about, they, they told me when I, first joined, when I first got into the industry, if you don't have a vision, they'll give you one. And, and people got other people's visions out yeah. here. Mm -hmm. And so you need to, if you go into this thing and you have no vision, don't know who you are, don't know what God said about you concerning you, um, then yeah, you're going to be switching up every day. Like, cause so, so, so-and-so said that. So you're like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Then you're like, oh, I'm going to do that. Okay. Yeah, I want, you know what I mean? And it's just like, you're thrown to and fro and not even listening to Jesus. So I would say first and foremost, make sure your foundation is strong. So that way when things happen, when things come up, when you're working on albums, when you're working on deals, you know, okay, these are my core values. And if, and I would choose 10, write down 10 of your core values. And if you read a contract and it doesn't have any of that in it, 
then that's not a contract for you. If you meet somebody and they don't have any of that in them, then, then that's not the person for you. And I think you live by your core values and uh, that will keep you out of the way and out of trouble. And I mean, you're going to probably get in trouble anyway, but like, you know what I mean? Like it will definitely keep you, I think on a decent path. So sure. that's the thing I would tell somebody like, know your core values, know who Jesus is to you and who you are to him. And you probably be okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank, thank you so much, man. I'd love to sit and talk for an hour or two. But we don't we don't have the time, unfortunately. But thank you so much, Dante, for being on the show. Thank y'all. We appreciate it so much. Y'all have a great day. All right, guys. There you have it. I hope you had a great time listening to our conversation today. I hope you take what we've talked about today and find ways to apply it to your career as well. Please be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. And please share it with all of your friends so that we can continue to get this message out to everyone around the world. Remember, Edenbrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone, Skype, Zoom, or FaceTime. Let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.